2020, what a year, am I right? I heard someone recently say that people need to stop saying that 2020 can't get any worse because apparently 2020 is taking that as a challenge. Each month seems to bring some unimaginable uh, heartbreak or some next level worse situation. I mean, you've heard the joke about the bingo cards and who had murder, murder hornets on their card for June and who had Greek alphabet hurricanes on their card for September and who had a presidential election on their card for November. Oh wait, all of us had that one. Back in April and, and May when things were really growing and tense with COVID-19, my mom twice a day would send my sister and I some funny memes and photos from the internet about COVID-19 life. And she called them morning laughs and evening laughs. And boy, did we need the laughs every day because every day was hard with all kinds of uncertainty and fear. But you know, there are some moments where you simply can't laugh. Or there's moments where you start with laughter, but you soon find yourself crying because you've opened the door to all those emotions that we've held down. And now that the gates are open, they just come. You see, for many of us, our hearts are troubled, deeply troubled. Many of us are weary and exhausted, troubled by all the things around us and even within us. And we ask and wonder, how can we continue to be people of faith and hope when things seem hopeless? Well, in this three-week sermon series titled Troubled Hearts, beginning today, we're going to talk about God's presence and provision in times of fatigue and fear and fragility. And let's be honest with one another today and with God. Many of us are fatigued. We're afraid. We're fragile. There is no sin or shame in feeling these emotions when we think about the heavy things that are going on in our lives. And yet there is an invitation from the one who loves us to a life not at the mercy of these emotions. A compassionate invitation to set our feelings and our fears down and to pick up hope instead. And one expression of this invitation is found in Psalms 23. Now the 23rd Psalm is one of the most well-known psalms from, or songs from the Bible. It's quoted often at weddings and often at funerals, as it was this week at Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's funeral. And many people have it actually hanging in their homes on some lacquered plaque or cross-stitch wall hanging. It really is a beautiful psalm about what it means to live a life focused on a good God who loves us and who provides for all we need. God is the focus of Psalm 23 because God is mentioned 10 times in just six verses. An author and professor, Dallas Willard, began and ended most every day of his later life by reflecting on Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer. He said that when you pray Psalm 23, you find that someone is there waiting to greet you and to guide you. So let's read this Psalm together today and meet the one who is waiting to greet us and to guide us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. The major claim of Psalm 23 is this. God, who is the shepherd, provides for our lives so that we may live without any need and without any fear. Without any need and without any fear. Even in 2020? It sounds a little bit like a campaign promise, right? Too good to be true. So let's walk through this very brief but powerful psalm to find out if indeed God is calling our lost and weary spirits and souls to a life without need or a life without fear, and how, if so, we could live such a life. The Lord is my shepherd. The first words out of the gate are a reminder about who God is and who is not God. Now, knowing my own tendency to take the wheel, how fitting that we begin and are reminded very first thing about who really is in control. You see, a sheep doesn't really worry about where to find a green pasture or a stream to quench its thirst. It trusts the shepherd to lead them and to provide for them. A sheep doesn't whip out its GPS and point out where a greener pasture is just over the hill. It trusts that the shepherd knows and will provide. A sheep is in utter dependence upon the shepherd. Now, if you don't trust that God is good and you don't believe that you are safe in God's hands, then this would maybe create some anxiety. But if we can learn to believe and trust that God is who God says he is, and God will do what God says God will do, then the idea that you are in the care of someone like this can be liberating. I shall not want. The phrase I shall not want is literally rendered from Hebrew, nothing do I lack. The author reminds us that when God provides, he provides exactly what we need so that we actually lack nothing. Now, for those of us who feel really guilty when we recite Psalm 23 and we get to the part where we say, I shall not want, and we know full well that we want, we want lots, this understanding of it should bring us some hope. Because you see, it has nothing to do with our desire for things. It has everything to do with the truth of God that he will provide what we need. I don't have to will myself not to want. Instead, I learn to rest in the truth that God provides all I really need so that I shall not want. I can't want. God provides all. And again, how liberating the psalm is that focuses on God and who God is and what God does for us rather than what we need to do or fail to do. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, when would a sheep be lying down in a green pasture or laying beside a still waters? Well, only if they weren't hungry or thirsty anymore. Because otherwise, the sheep would be up grazing and eating or disturbing the water because it was drinking. But under the shepherd's care, our needs are met and more is always available so we can lay down and rest. 
trusting and content with God's provision both now and tomorrow and for all the future. He restores my soul. Okay, sheep are fascinating creatures. Uh, I don't know a lot about them, but I've learned a few things which bring some great insight to Psalm 23. Because did you know that if a sheep is heavily pregnant or overweight or has a really heavy fleece, that once it gets on its back, they cannot get themselves back up without help. Yes, I know, some of us can relate to that. There's a term for this kind of sheep. It's called a cast sheep, a sheep that is tipped over and cannot get back up. And they can actually become very distressed and die within a short period of time if they're not rolled back into a normal position. And when they're back on their feet, they may even need support for a few moments to steady themselves. Now, a good shepherd watches for this, and when they see a sheep on its back, will gently pick them up, hold them until they calm down, and then set them right. This is what the Hebrew word for restores means in Psalm 23, the act of the shepherd setting the sheep back up. You see, God is continually restoring us setting us back upright after we've fallen down or been knocked over by the hard things in life. He holds us tenderly, comforting us until we're steady again and ready to walk. What a a beautiful image to hold on to in these moments where we often feel like we've lost our footing or we're floundering. You see that God watches for this and he is quick to come pick us up, calm us down, and steady us once again. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. When you've been restored like this, we tend to walk more closely with God, following his lead as a a natural response to being set right by him. We feel safe. We feel loved. We feel grateful. And the more closely we follow, the more we trust him, which can lead us to say that, yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, our confidence in this good shepherd who leads us into a life without lack, a life where he restores us, that confidence in him outweighs the fears that are around us. Because the shepherd has the power to lead us even through the dark valley of death because he's been there and he knows his way out. We're not ignorant to the dangers of the world but we don't live in fear of them either. Why? For you are with me, God. Dallas Willard writes that the complete sufficiency of the life without lack is based upon the presence of God. Trusting that God has not forsaken nor forgotten us is a key to the life without lack. Now in my own life, there have been moments where I've been overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, where hope seems lost and The worst thing I can imagine seems possible or may actually be happening. And after exhausting all of my own efforts to figure a way out of it or around it, I'm exhausted. And in that moment of brokenness, I always come back to one question. Do I believe that God is good? Do I trust that God is good despite the circumstances around me? And thankfully, the answer for me always is yes. Yes, I believe God is good, and I believe that God has not abandoned me. 
Now, do I wish I would trust that sooner rather than later? Absolutely. But I'm forever grateful that when I find myself on my back, unable to set myself right, and in need of a shepherd, that truth is there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's tools of strength and protective care are the rod and the staff. They're used to either draw the sheep from danger or to fend off predators. God will protect us, and this brings us comfort and assurance. And with this comfort, we don't fear. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now, I'm going to be honest that for a long time when I read this verse, Psalm 23:5, I always pictured a table um, in a big dark castle, this long wooden table overflowing with food and wine, and all of my enemies were standing around the room, hungry, miserable, being forced to look at me while I ate. And I'll admit, it never seemed quite right, never seemed like Jesus, but I thought, well, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. Well, as I've gotten older, talk about missing the point. Talk about what a self-focused faith can do to you as you read scripture. Because the truth of it is this. Since I am to love my enemies in the kingdom of God, I wouldn't eat a delicious meal in their presence and let them stand there hungry. Because when you know the good shepherd directs your life, when you lack for nothing, when God restores you, and when you live out of this truth, you are free to walk and to eat with your enemies because there's an abundance for all and you know it. There's no need to hoard God's blessing because there's enough for everyone. You anoint my head with oil. Another thing I learned about sheep is that attack by the blowfly can be a real concern for a shepherd. It is a cause of weakness and death in affected animals. The fly lays its eggs on the sheep, and within 24 hours, the larvae penetrate the skin and multiply, and soon the sheep is poisoned. Now, thankfully, there is a treatment called backlining. So an appropriate ointment is poured onto the animal's head and along its back, to kill the disease. And David, the author of this psalm, who was also a shepherd, knew about treating disease in his flock. And he would have seen what larvae could do, just like sin can do in our life. And David knew he needed the divine remedy, as we do. God anoints and he pours out oil or protection over us to kill that which is in our life that is life-taking rather than life-giving. My cup runs over. In Jewish tradition, the command to keep the Sabbath holy is followed religiously, beginning at sundown on Friday and continuing for 24 hours until sundown on Saturday. Now, Friday evening, to welcome the prescribed unplug, the family gathers and recites a blessing known as the Kiddush. And there is a Kiddush cup and saucer, and the father of the family usually begins the Sabbath by taking some wine and pouring it into the cup all the way until it just overflows into the saucer. This is a sign of God's abundance and blessing and and our joy at praising God. And you see, a Psalms 23 life, in that life, our cups aren't full. Our cups run over. There is an abundance of God's blessing and presence in our life, so much so that we can be as generous as our shepherd is with us 
and share that generosity with others. So much so that we are convinced that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, the author of this psalm, expresses his conviction of the guarantee of God's blessings upon his daily earthly life. He reminds us that God's goodness and his mercy go with us wherever we go. The doctor's office, the grocery store, school, a season of unemployment, a quiet Saturday with family, wherever. And in the second half of this verse, in verse 6, David reminds us that even if the path we walk is so difficult that we lose our earthly lives, our eternal destination is safe and secure. Today, in the midst of an ever-present threat of our health, lost jobs, social isolation, a plummeting economy, a divided nation, God calls us to trust him. That even if we lose our jobs, our homes, our loved ones, even then God will still be good and will still show us mercy because that is his character and God never changes. God's provision may look like a friend sharing a bag of flour or a church or a nonprofit organization providing assistance, maybe social interaction through FaceTime or Zoom or the persistent care of doctors and nurses as you or someone that you love goes through a major health concern. No matter what form God's provision takes, God promises to carry his own to the end and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, my friends, we still have three months to go in 2020. And I don't know what else could possibly come up on our individual bingo cards or collective cards. We may not have seen the worst, or we may. What I do know is this. If you feel lost or weary, as I sometimes do, know there is a shepherd who loves you and is with you. A shepherd who will pick you up and set you back upright. A shepherd who will walk the dark valley with you. A shepherd who will protect you and provide for you. A shepherd who pours abundance into your life. A shepherd who wants nothing more than to swing you up on his shoulders and carry you to a place of peace and rest. My friends, we are not forsaken. We are not alone. The Lord is our shepherd. We live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither are we. Let's pray. Our good shepherd, we thank you for your presence and faithfulness in our life, the promise that comes from Psalm 23 as it encourages our troubled hearts during this season. God, you know better than any what each person is going through. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak the truths of Psalm 23 into our own lives as we need to hear and remember that you are a God who provides, that you are a God who shepherds, you are a God who protects, both now and forever. We thank you for the promise of this word and we ask that it would strengthen us as we go into our weeks and as we face the challenges of these days and as we address our own troubled hearts and the troubled hearts of those around us. May we be your presence. May we be your peace in this world. And in your name we pray. Amen.